0: Praise the
1: Lord. <laughs>
0: Hallelujah. If your memory needs jogging and you're trying to think where you've seen these girls before, if you happen to turn your television on at, 11, at 1230 on channel 11, uh, you've, saw, you've seen them. So if that relieves your wondering where you've seen them before, that's where you saw them.
2: <laughs>
0: Praise the Lord. Amen. You know, when we come to the place, when we begin to think back of the time that God began to move in our lives, it becomes very, very frustrating. At different times, I've tried to think back, when was it exactly that God began to move in my life? And I don't really know. Paul said, God called me from a mother's womb. Jeremiah said, Before I was born, you knew me. And I don't know when it was that God began to work in my life. And I think sometimes when we remember how God worked, that we think that God always must work that way. I remember listening to James Beale tell about the time that his mother got hungry for God and began to search the scriptures and pray and seek God. And one morning she got up with her husband about four o'clock in the morning, prepared his breakfast and bucket and same off to work, and it was cold in the kitchen. So she opened the gas stove, the oven of the gas stove, and laid her Bible on the, the uh, door of the uh, oven, pulled up her chair, and opened her Bible to Acts, the second chapter, and said, Lord, I want to experience that. And the Holy Spirit fell upon her, and Jesus baptized her in the Holy Spirit. And he said for several years after that, when anybody had asked her, how do you come into this experience? She said, well, (laughs) first you get up at four o'clock in the morning. (laughs) You open the stove door, lay your Bible on the lid, pull up a chair, turn the oven on, open it to Acts 2, and say, Lord, I want to experience
1: that.
0: (laughs) So it would be easy to, for me to say that if you had the same experience that I have, that you have to have it the same way. But that's not true. Of the hundreds of testimonies that we've heard, seldom do you find two that are even close to being the same. If I had to pick a time when I felt that God began to move very very quickly in my life, it would have to be from about 1963 until probably 1967. And then from 67 to 1970, it was like a whirlwind. In 1963, I was in Europe. Nine men had gone on an industrial tour of the electrical industry of Europe. And our bus driver was an artist who had spent about six or eight years in Australia, and either six or eight months among the aboriginals. And he so appreciated primitive art that he just kind of oozed of the enthusiasm. And he got me caught up in this thing of uh, understanding and knowing something about primitive art. So when I came back to this country, I thought, well, now I'm going to try to buy some primitive art. And I thought, now, where could I buy something that was really primitive? And of course, we always think of the American Indians and so forth and maybe down in the boonies of Ozark Mountains or somewhere like that. But I thought of the Amish. And I thought, here's the primitive people, and there should be primitive art amongst the Amish. So I went over to Shurer Creek, and I run ads in the budget, and in the Millersburg paper, for primitive art objects, or primitive art. And in several weeks of advertising, I wasn't able to buy a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Because the Amish are a little bit superstitious. Uh, They don't have anything to do, hardly, with people that are outside their realm. I heard of a girl who did some drawing and so forth. So I found her where she lived and I went down in the Charm Valley and I knocked on her door one day. This was in 1964, I expect. And I said, I hear that you do some painting and uh, I'm interested in buying some primitive art. And uh, she said, well, come in and we'll talk. So she was in a wheelchair she had a strap around the chair that held her in she had had multiple cirrhosis she had uh, glasses that looked like the bottom of a water glass she had very very limited eyesight and so we talked most of the afternoon and she showed me some little greeting cards that she had done little birds on them little flowers on but nothing in what i was looking for so i asked her if she could do some paintings for me and she said well she might try but she didn't have anything to work with so I came back and got some canvas and some paint and brushes and what I thought she'd need and took them over then I went back regularly for a year a year and a half every time I'd be in the area I'd stop and see if she had anything painted The last time I was there she said uh, you might as well take your equipment back because my eyes are failing so fast that I won't be able to paint anything so I said no you keep them and If you ever do paint something you drop me a card so i didn't go back for probably a year and a half one noon i was in walnut creek i was eating my dinner and i thought well i'll go see sarah so after i would finished my lunch i was sitting on the yard out there in front of the post office i drove down to charm valley and and parked in front of the house and went up and knocked on the door she came wheeling over the door and she said, How did you get here so quick? She said, I just wrote you a letter this morning.
1: <laughs> she
0: said, Come in, I have something to show you. So I went in, and here she had a painting, five feet long and four feet high, panned on masonite. It was all I could do to lift it. And this painting showed three roads. One road had a narrow gate right to the right, about a third of the painting was beautiful. Water and sky and trees, grass. A real park-like atmosphere with birds and everything. There was a center road right down through the middle of the painting that, in perspective, just about disappeared, and then it turned over into the left side. And right to the left was a broad gate with a broad road leading into a very foreboding area. This area was filled with dragons and lions and serpents. It was a marsh and a swamp, and there was smoke coming up out of it. And clear in the back left-hand corner was a real inferno, fire and brimstone. Well, that wasn't quite the kind of a painting I was looking for. <laughs> Besides that, it had scripture verses written all through it and little explanations written in it.
1: <laughs>
0: So we sat and we talked about the painting, and I was looking at it from an artistic view. I was looking at it as primitive art, and I could see something in it. I knew there was something there in their artwork. I didn't see anything in the in the little inscription she had written but this wasn't the type of thing I was looking for and I came home and on May the 30th on Decoration Day in 1967 I was had a day off I was mowing the grass and I felt a real urge down inside me to go over and talk to Sarah so I got in the van my boy and I and we drove over and I knocked on the door, and she says, I've been expecting you."
1: <laughs>
0: so I went in and sat down, and she says, go get the painting. And I said, I didn't I wouldn't see it. Where is it? She says, under the bed. So I dug it out from under the bed, set it up on the wainscoting, and we sat there and talked about it. And she said, I want you to take the painting. And I said, well, what do you want me to do with it? And she said, I don't know, but I want you to take it. I said, well, um, is it for sale? She says, I don't know, but I want you to take it. And I said, well, what did you have in mind? Did you want me to display the painting for you somewhere or what? And she says, I don't know, but you take it with you. So this went on for quite some time and finally her mother came in. And I said, well, Sarah, you'll have to tell me, is the painting for sale, how much you want for it, and what do you want to do? Is the painting for sale? Her mother says, yes, it's for sale, get it out of here. She wanted to see it gone. So Sarah said, "You take it." So I loaded it up and brought it home. Now a four-foot by five-foot painting, there's not much you can do with
1: it. <laughs>
0: so I leaned it up against the couch in our living room.
1: <laughs> and
0: my wife wasn't particularly an art
1: <laughs> critic, but she didn't like that one. <laughs> So I
0: sat there for a week or ten days, I expect. And one night I was at the Rotary meeting, and I was sitting with Lester Cronin, who used to be the county agent here. And I said, Lester, I've got a painting you might be interested in. I knew that he'd worked a lot with the Amish. He was a church member. I thought he might be interested in it. So I explained the painting to him, and he said, yeah, I'd like to see that. So I said, well, come on, Dr. Rotary, and, and look at it. So he came out and we sat and looked at the painting a while he said, "Say, next Saturday I've got to get a program for the men's breakfast at the Reeves Hotel. And he said, I don't have a program yet, how about bringing that thing and, and showing it?
1: <laughs>
0: and I said, well, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> and he said, well, uh, just bring it and, and we'll talk about it. So I said, all right. So Saturday morning at 7 o'clock, I took it down to the Reefs Hotel, and we set it up. There were several ministers there, and everybody talked about it, no one knew anything about it.
1: <laughs>
0: and I brought it home.
1: <laughs> and that was
0: just about all that was put. Well, Lester was very excited, so he went to the program chair of the Rotary Club, and he said, hey, Sam's got a painting, and you've got to see it. <laughs> So the program chairman came and he said, I understand you've got a painting. A program that you can put on for us. I said, well,
1: uh, I've got this painting.
0: And uh, he said, "Um, if I get stuck some night, could you bring it in an emergency?
1: And I said, yeah, in an emergency I could bring it.
0: So a week later, you got an emergency.
1: And he called me and he said,
0: "Uh, Monday night. I needed it. So then I panicked.
1: I didn't, I didn't know anything
0: about the painting,
1: and we had to put on a
0: half-hour program with him. So I called Ollie Davis. Ollie was a member of her club and pastor of the Methodist Church, and I said, Ollie, you got to help me out. I said, I've got a painting here. I, it's a kind of a religious painting. and. Uh, we've got to put on a program with it would you come and see if you can say anything about
1: it
0: <laughs> so he said well i'll come out and look at it
1: <laughs>
0: so he came out and we and looked at it, and he said um, could you talk about it 15 minutes from an artistic viewpoint
1: <laughs>
0: i said yeah i might be able to talk 15 minutes <laughs> he said well i think i can talk 15 minutes from religious viewpoint
1: <laughs>
0: so we took the thing to rotary club and we set it up, and I talked 15 minutes about it as primitive art.
1: <laughs> and he
0: talked 15 minutes about primitive religion.
1: <laughs>
0: he didn't understand the thing, and I didn't either.
1: <laughs> the next week, well,
0: that very night, in the Rotary Club, their meeting starts at 6. They eat from six till six thirty. And if you're not out of there at seven o'clock, if the program's not over, then get them and leave.
1: <laughs>
0: they leave right while you're talking. Because <laughs> the meeting's just a half hour. And this night we run it a half hour. And then they begin to ask questions. And they ask questions and they talked and they ask questions and they talked. At eight o'clock we still had men standing around. That day.
1: <laughs>
0: the next week, the Lions Club called me.
1: <laughs> the following
0: week, the Kiwanis Club called, me.
1: <laughs>
0: and we was off and running.
1: <laughs>
0: well, a few weeks later, the Lions Club from Strasbourg called me, and they said we got a ladies' night. Would you come and bring your program?
1: <laughs>
0: and I said, well, yeah. So we'll So I took the date, and, and I called Wally, and I said, uh, say, we've got a date. for a ladies' night up at uh, Strasburg at the Lions Club. He said, gee, I'm sorry. I just can't go. He said, I've got other commitments. I just can't go. He said, you'll get somebody else. So I called everybody I could think of. I couldn't get anybody else to go. So the night came, and I still didn't have anybody. So I took the painting up, and I set it up. I went right ahead, and I talked 15 minutes from an artistic viewpoint, and I said, No, we're going to do something a little different tonight. (laughs) Tonight, we're going to open the meeting up, and you tell me what you see in the painting. And there was quite a few people in the group that were born again. And they began to say, This means this, and this means that, and that means that. And these scriptures... She just had the like john uh 532 and so forth uh uh romans 323 and things like that she had in and they knew what those scriptures were and that meeting went on and on and on so from that time on i showed the painting by myself i took it i spoke on it from an artistic viewpoint as primitive art opened the meeting up and people began to tell me what they saw in the painting. Pretty soon, I was able to tell people what other people saw in the painting, (laughs) and I could talk a half hour,
1: (laughs) 15 minutes from what I knew about it, and
0: 15 minutes from what other people said about it. (laughs) This went on until February 28th, 1970, I was out in a Methodist church on a Sunday evening at Winfield. And I spoke a few minutes about it from an artistic viewpoint, opened the meeting up, and a young fellow stood in his seat. He didn't want to talk about the painting. He stood up and he said, I want to tell you what Jesus has done for me. And he began to testify and tell how his life was and what the Lord had done for him and what the Lord had done for his wife and what the Lord had done for his children. In our church, we had testimonies. I heard many testimonies. But there was something real about what this guy was saying. There was something that just touched you. I can't explain it. But I knew that he knew what he was talking about. So afterwards, he was helping me put the painting away. I had a big box built in the back of my car. And we were just putting the thing away. And, and he said, you know, our church was dead. We had had different meetings at different times to decide whether or not we keep it open even. <clears throat> We'd lost our pastor, and we couldn't get another pastor. And we just didn't know what to do. The congregation was dwindling down. There wasn't hardly any left, and they thought the best is closed up. So there was an old fellow, he said, who was semi-retired. He said, well, I'll come and take the church for a few weeks until you get somebody. And so he said he came and began to preach. And he said he opened the word of God and began to tell people how they could have an experience with Jesus. And he said people began to get saved. And the church got on fire. And it began to grow. He said, I sure wish you could have met him. He said, he's not here tonight. He's having a revival meeting in another church. He said, he's a retired evangelist and he really can preach. He said, I'll tell you what. Tomorrow night, that was Sunday night. He said, tomorrow night I'll pick you up and we'll go out and hear him i'll pick you up at seven o'clock i said no uh, i got rotary meeting on monday night and uh, i'm just too busy
1: and he said well you would really like to hear what this guy has to say.
0: i said you say he's a retired evangelist he's not one of them loud preachers is he, <laughs> and he said well yeah sometimes he does get loud i said well i don't mind telling you that loud preaching turns me off i'm just not interested at all in loud preaching he said you'll like this guy <laughs> he said, I'll pick you up, seven o'clock Tuesday night. I said, no. I know where that little bicycle church is. I can find my way out there, and if I can possibly get away Tuesday night, I'll be out. So he said, all right. So Tuesday night, I didn't have a thing to do.
1: <laughs>
0: and I thought, well, I told him I'll go, I'll go. So I got in the car, and I drove out to this little country church, out by the Boy Scout camp. And I went in and sat down about halfway back. It wasn't a large congregation, maybe 60 people. And this man stood up and began to preach. Preached a simple message. But in the first scripture that he read, he shot down all my
1: doctrine.
0: (laughs) He shot down everything that I had learned and been told. In one scripture, he just wiped me out.
1: This
0: is what he read in 1 John 1, starting in verse 4. In these things we write, so that our joy may be made complete. And this is the message that we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned we make him a liar and his word is not in us. He began to preach from Romans 3, 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10, For thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, the confession is made unto salvation. And he turned the scriptures to Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and will open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and him with me. He preached very little, as I can remember, except I remember that he said, Jesus is standing at your heart's door, and he's knocking, because you must open the door and let him in he said, everybody stand on your feet. So we all stood up. And he said, now, if you haven't had this experience, I want you to come forward, we'll pray with you. And he made an altar call. Well, I didn't know very much about what he said, but I knew one thing. I wasn't going down to that altar.
1: <laughs>
0: and as we stood down on our feet, he began to preach again.
1: <laughs>
0: and he seemed like he preached about half his sermon over again. And he said, Now you come. But I wasn't about to go. But while he preached the second time, I was standing there holding on the back of that pew, and I began to shake all over. And a, a realization came to me. It seemed like maybe for the first time in my whole life, I realized that I was a sinner. And I don't think it was that long from the time that I realized I was a sinner till I knew that I needed a Savior. And as soon as I knew that I needed a Savior, I knew I needed Jesus. I don't recall that he told me that, but I knew it within me. And he made the altar call the second time. But I didn't go. I just stood there. He said, all right, if there's none to come, we're going to sing a hymn and go home. And he began to sing, I come, Lord, just as I am without one plea." And at the end of the first chorus in a loud voice, he said, now you come. This is your night. And boy, by that time, I was getting pretty mad. I thought I must be the only stranger in this place
1: and he must be talking to me. (laughs) But he don't know who I am.
0: He doesn't know that when I was six days old my name was entered on the cradle roll of the Presbyterian Church. (laughs) he, He couldn't possibly know that I was a member of that church for 27 years. Another thing he didn't know that when I left that church I joined the Christian Science Church. And I was a member of the Christian Science Church for 16 years. In that time, I was president of the board, head of the Sunday school, treasurer of the church. I'd filled every major office in the church except first and second reader. And I thought, surely this guy, don't know who I am. (laughs) He's talking to me like I'm a sinner. I mean, a real sinner. (laughs) (laughs) So when they sang that song, I couldn't hold on any longer. I let go of that pew, and I walked down the aisle. And this little country church had two steps up on the platform. When I hit that top step, one of two things happened. Either I tripped and fell,
1: <laughs> or
0: else the Spirit of God put me down. Because the first thing that I remember, I was on my knees, and I was confessing my sins and asking Jesus came into my life. That when I got up, I didn't feel any different. As far as I could tell you, nothing happened. I turned to go down off the platform, and this was giving him a little stimulus, (laughs) and he started really making an elder call then, when I went. I turned to go down off the platform, and he turned to me and he said, would you like to say a few words? I didn't know what he wanted me to say. I know now. He wanted me to say, the burden of sin is lifted, the guilt's all gone, I know the sins are forgiven, I'm born again. But I didn't know that, and I didn't know what he wanted me to say. But I'd been speaking around the churches for over three years then, and it wasn't hard for me to say, you know, something. So I said, yeah, I'll say something. And I turned to the congregation to speak, and something come up in here. And I couldn't talk. But I said I was going to talk, and I was determined I was going to talk. And when I tried to talk, I blurted out, and the tears began to come. And I stood there and cried and tried to talk and cried and tried to talk and couldn't talk. And I didn't have sense enough to go sit down.
1: <laughs> and I stood
0: there and, and tried to talk. Finally it came to me, I wasn't going to say anything. And all of a sudden I felt so foolish. I really felt stupid sitting in that car talking to myself. <clears throat> so I quick started the car and I came in over a 7 mile drive and I pulled off the Little Lake Diamond, turned off the engine and I said, Lord, Something's happening. I, I know something's happening, but I don't know what it is, and I don't understand it." And again, I felt really silly, standing there talking, sitting there talking to myself. So I started the car and put the car in, the, came in the, uh, down Union Avenue and put the car away. And I came in, and Doris was in bed, and I sat down on the dresser, and I said, uh, guess what? She said, now what? <laughs> I said, I went forward in that little church tonight and I gave my life to the Lord. And you know, I know I'm saved. And she laughed. She thought that was the funniest thing she'd ever heard. <laughs> so I seen it when I didn't telling her about it. <laughs> I just went to bed. <laughs> about the 15th of March, that was the 2nd of March, about the 15th of March, I was going through my income tax papers and I found an invitation to Oral Roberts University. In income tax papers.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and then I looked at this thing and it had Doris's name on it. And I said, uh, What is this thing? And she said, Oh, that's an invitation to some having some kind of meeting out there. And I said, Well, you're going to go, aren't you? She said, No, I'm not going to go. I said, Well, I think I'll go. <laughs> so I crossed out to Mrs. and wrote in Mr. and sent it in. Two <laughs> <laughs> days later, we got the invitation come ahead. So, the 16th of April, I got on the plane, went out to Harvard University. They met me at the airport, a little bus, and went in, and there was a big counter and a great long line of people registering, and I got this thing about standing in line. And so I wasn't, I wasn't too interested in standing there and waiting, so I just turned away from the line, and I just looked around like this, and over on the right-hand side in front of a big window on a couch sat an Indian fellow. And our eyes kind of met, and I went over and sat down beside him, and I said, my, did you come all this distance to attend this seminar? And he said, no, I just happened to be in in town, and I came out. I said, what do you do? He said, well, I'm uh, kind of a missionary. I said, "Uh, well, you're from India. He said, yeah. I said, you mean uh, the Indians are sending missionaries to this country? (laughs) He said, yeah, kind (laughs) of. I said, what uh, church are you with? And uh, he said, well, I'm a Pentecostal. I said, well, I don't think we have that denomination. <laughs> and he said, uh, no, he said, it's not a denomination. It's an experience. <laughs> and I said, well, I don't think we have that kind of people. <laughs> and he said, oh, you surely sure do. He said, there are uh, people have had this experience everywhere. I said, no, I don't. I don't know of that. People And I said, well, uh, what, what is this uh, group you're with? And he said, well, it's not, it, you know, it's, uh, well, he said, you know, like uh, the gifts of the Spirit. No, didn't know about that. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, uh, you know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? No. Is speaking in tongues? No. I said, do you speak in tongues? He said, no, sure. <laughs> and it was a, he just said it like it was the most normal thing in the world. And uh, so the girl came and she said, um, uh, we've got a room for you. So he jumped up and left and there was a black brother sitting on the other end of the couch and I slid over and I said, hey, uh, you know about this uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit? He said, yeah. I said, you got that? He said, yeah. I said, well, how long you had
1: it? He
0: said, about 20 years. Well, I said, that's funny, I haven't heard about it.
1: <laughs>
0: that's all I know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That night, when Robert spoke, and he was finishing up his message, and Dr. Howard Irwin was walking down the hall, and he called to him. He said, Dr. Irwin, are you going to have a few minutes tonight? He said, yeah. He hollered in. He said, yeah, I'll have a few minutes. He said, if any of you people who are interested in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, go up in the uh, cafeteria, and Dr. Irwin will talk to you. So I thought, well, I'll go up. So I went up, this was 9.30 in the evening, as I got there in 3.30 in the afternoon, and I went up and sat down at a table, something like this, and he was a Baptist preacher from New Jersey, and he began to tell about his experience and a few funny things, and and he said, I want to read a couple scriptures to you, and he read Mark. Luke 11 chapter says ask and ye shall receive seek and ye shall find knock and it shall be opened unto you for everyone that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth him and knocketh it shall be opened mm-hmm. for which of you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children how much more will the heavenly father give the holy ghost to them that ask so he says that's about it you just ask and he does it so that sounded easy <coughs> nobody told me you had to tarry <laughs> nobody said anything about waiting 20 years or, or getting your life cleaned up and didn't say any of that he said, ask and you shall receive. So he says, uh, I'll pray for you. Uh, he said, some of you people have a little problem maybe praying out loud. But he says, uh, uh, I'll pray and you just pray with me. And when I quit praying, you just keep on praying. So I said "I said to myself, all right, I'll do that. So he started praying. He said, thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord hallelujah i never heard anybody pray like that before that didn't even sound like he was praying and he just kept it up for a little bit and he quit praying and all of a sudden i just started praying but i couldn't understand the thing i was saying a whole new language beginning to come mrs roberts came around and she looked at me a little bit i guess and she tapped me on her shoulder and shook me she said did you receive i said well I guess And she said Well, relax She said This is a joyous occasion And I looked And I just joined The White Knuckle Club (laughs) I was so tense It was such a startling Thing to me That I was just Ripping myself Like that And I just kind of Let go The woman beside me Began to sing In the spirit And it just seemed Like such a
1: natural Easy thing
0: To me I was going across the campus the next night, I believe, and this Indian fellow was walking along. So I joined him, and we he was walking along, I knew what his name was. His name was Samuel Paul, a real dear friend of Sister Alice Burghese. And as I walked along across the campus, I had a tremendous urge to give him some money. And I reached in, and got my wallet, and I said, "Uh, Samuel, uh, do you need some money? And he said, well, I never tell anybody what I need. I said, yeah, I know, but uh, do you need some money? And he said, well, we just trust the Lord. We don't tell anybody what we need. And I said, yeah, but I've got this tremendous urge to give you some money. And he said, well, I never tell anybody what I need. I said, oh. so I put my wallet back in my
1: pocket.
0: <laughs> we got on the elevator, we go up, and I was on the seventh floor, and he was on the sixth floor. And the elevator stopped the sixth floor, and he stepped out, and I had this tremendous urge to step out. So I stepped out, and I said, Samuel, well, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I have to give you some money. <laughs> so whatever was in my wallet, I had more money in the bag, but whatever was in the wallet, I gave it to him. And he took the money, put it in his pocket, never looked at me, he said, Thank you, Jesus. And my mouth must have fell about to hear. It. Because I at least expected he was going to say, Thank you, Leo. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and he saw this expression on my face of it, and he says, Oh, uh, that's the way it works.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: the day we were leaving, we'd, I had a, an invalid fall in my room. And I, he was in a wheelchair, and I was wheeling him around the campus, and I had to take him down the freight elevator. He came up in the mess line. So I'd gone down early that morning to bring him up the freight elevator, and I got in ahead of the line, and Samuel was, was second in the line. And he said, well, you push the wheelchair, and I'll take the trays, and, and uh, I'll help you get the breakfast to the stall. So we went through the line and sat down at the table, and another lady come through, and she said, oh, you're a gentleman from India. She said, did you come all this way for the convention? He said, no. Or I said, no, he did, he's very shy. I said, no, he's just traveling by the grace of God. I don't think I even know what the grace of God
1: was. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and she said, isn't that nice? And she went and sat down.
1: <laughs>
0: the woman sat sitting right behind me tapping on the shoulder, And she said, excuse me, I couldn't help but I overhear your conversation. And she said, I wonder if you'd give him this. And I turned around, and she put $25 in my hand. And I handed it to him. He put it in his pocket. He says, thank you, Jesus.
1: <laughs> and
0: I tore off my little thing and my plate was on, turned it over and wrote my address on there. And I said, man, if you ever get to Ohio, you call me because i got to find out how that works. <laughs> <laughs> so I came home on Sunday night. Wednesday night, I had a burning desire to tell somebody, so I walked over uh, about two blocks to a neighboring church, and I walked in, and and, the pastor said, anybody got a testimony for the Lord? And I jumped up, and I told him the whole story, (laughs) speaking in tongues and everything. (laughs) And the place got real cold, and I (laughs)
1: just, a
0: chill kind of went through the place, and I still didn't know what was wrong.
1: I thought everybody
0: would be glad to know.
1: <laughs> and
0: uh, the people kind of helped me out, and they didn't just push, but I, I could see something was wrong. So I stopped uh, on the way back to talk to my brother. He was an elder in the Baptist church. So I sat down on the porch and began telling him about my experience. He said, Man, don't you know
1: nothing?
0: <laughs> he said, Don't you know that's the devil? He said, All that talk in his tongue, that's all the devil. I said, well, it didn't feel like
1: it, though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I tried to persuade him, and it wasn't. And no way. He wasn't about to give an inch, and pretty soon he had me about half convinced. So I went back home. We went to bed. About midnight, I guess it was, the phone rang. Here was Samuel Paul. <laughs> he says, I'm in Broadway, in Indiana, and I'll be in Columbus 4 o'clock in the morning. I so said, I'll pick you up. 4 o'clock, I went down. Went to the bus station, picked him up, and brought him back. He hadn't slept, and I hadn't either. So I said, why don't you lay down a little bit? We'll get a little rest. So in a few hours, he was up, and I was up, and he said, we'd like to have a little Bible study. I said, yeah. So we sat down in the living room, and he did a little Bible study on water baptism. And after he finished the Bible study, I had a tremendous urge to be baptized in water. So. I tried everything. We came down here to Springs, Gravel Pit, from way back where, where nobody would see you. And they turned the, the sandpipe around and it was just mucky. Couldn't get baptized there. And we went on down to river Bank and the riverbank, but the river was out. And this seemed like there was any place I could get baptized in seclusion. So we came back home. Then I remembered Angelo Martin on his swimming pool. And I said, well, a neighbor fell over here. I know him real well. He's got a swimming pool. And uh, I get baptized there. So he said, well, we'll look at it." So we walked over and looked, and he said, this would be fine. So we came back and started getting ready. And I started hunting around the closet. but this time, our marriage had been on the rocks for some time, for several years. We lived in the same house. We had some kind of a relationship, but we didn't have much of a fellowship, and we just sometimes just kind of talked as we passed in the hall. And this whole thing was too much for Doris. She just didn't hardly comprehend the thing that was happening. And it was she who wrote to All Roberts in November and said, our marriage is failing. We've got all kinds of family problems. Would you pray for us? And when the answer came, she didn't recognize it. She didn't know this was gone. And she was resisting everything. She was upset that I had brought Samuel home. And then she was a little more than upset when she discovered that something else was happening. And she saw me digging around the closet to get some sneakers and some old clothes. And she said, what are you going to do? And I didn't answer. She said, you're going to get baptized, aren't you? And I said, yeah. She said, you're going to make a darn fool of yourself, <laughs> and she began. So I gathered the stuff up while in the hall to give him to Samuel, and she came out and she gave him a tongue lashing, and then she gave me a tongue lashing. And she went back and slammed the bedroom door. And I said, Samuel, I'm sorry. You know, uh, uh, a stranger, foreigner in the country, and a stranger in the house, a guest. And I said, gee, I'm you know, I'm sorry. He said, Oh, I said, that wasn't her talking. That was just the devil talking. I said, Well, you know it sounded like her talking. (laughs) He said, No, that's just devil
1: talking. He said,
0: You watch. The closer you get to water baptism, the harder the devil's gonna holler. I said, Really? He said you watch. So I said, All right and So we went in and changed my clothes, got sneakers on, and we started down the back hall. And out of the bedroom she comes. (laughs) She gonna call the brass band. (laughs) Everybody, everybody can see. (laughs) And we just kept on walking. She came out the back door and she says, "You're not gonna get baptized in that stinking Catholic swimming pool." <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time I knew swimming pools had
1: denomination. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: we went over and got baptized. I knocked on Mrs. Martin on his door and I said, Thank hey, you, we use your pool. This was in April. <laughs> <laughs> she said, "Why it's a little cold this <laughs> morning."
1: And I said, "I want to get baptized." She said, "Really?"
0: So yeah. She said, "Well, go ahead. We'd we'll be glad to have you."
1: <laughs> so we went down in the pool, and when he baptized
0: you, everybody knows it. When he says, "I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost," you can hear him for two blocks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and down I went. And I mean it
0: was cold. (laughs) We walked back across the street, and I was about froze. I got in the bathtub and began to warm up. He took a shower and came up. My daughter was on the front porch, and uh, Bud Stiffer's daughter was out there. He came home and he said, "Uh, do you girls know Jesus? And they said, what do you mean? And he said, well, uh. Do you know Jesus is your Lord? And I said, no. And uh, he said, would you like to hear about him? And they said, yeah. So he brought them in the living room, took the scriptures, and began to tell them about Jesus. And he said, would you like to accept Jesus as your Lord? And they said, yeah, we would. So they knelt down, and he prayed with them. And after they prayed, Brendan said to Samuel, uh, now will God heal me? He said, yes, God will heal you. This time, she'd been bleeding internally for four years. We had her over to the Union Hospital, and Dr. Zara did an internal exploratory, couldn't find out why she was bleeding. She said, will God heal me? He said, yes, God will heal you." He laid hands on her, and the power of God came on her. And you can just feel it going in her, in the ear, she said.
1: <clears throat>
0: Susan Stifler said, will God heal me? She had open sores on her legs. Said, yes, God will heal you. He laid hands on her and prayed. And God touched her. A
1: <coughs>
0: little bit. The surgeon ran home. A little bit. Joan called. She said, What's happening at your house?
1: The daughter
0: says, There's a man of God here. She said, Can I talk to him? She said, Yeah, come on out. So she came out. Samuel talked to her about Jesus. She knelt and prayed. Received Christ as her Lord. And when they sit back up on the floor, he, she said, No, will God heal me? He said, Yes, God will heal you. He laid hands on her and prayed. And Bud told me afterwards that at that time she was on 16 tranquilizers a day, she was a chain smoker. She was seeing a psychiatrist every other every week and a hypnotist every other week, and she was taking booze to get to sleep at night,
1: and God delivered her.
0: Brenda had a pain in her stomach. She came in on the door side. She said, that man prayed for me, now my stomach hurts. Well, that's all she needed. She came out of that bedroom, and she said, you prayed for her, now her belly hurts. Samuel said, Oh, that's not right. We'll pray again. <laughs> he laid hands on her and prayed. She said, All the pain's all gone. When I came in the room, they was all knelt down at the couch. Samuel said, Come pray with us. I said, What are we praying for? He said, Your wife wants to receive Christ as Savior. In those few weeks' time, we saw God move daily. Sometimes hourly. Miracle after, miracle after miracle after miracle. We knew about the love of God. We knew something about the grace of God. We knew something about the power of God. We knew something about the presence of God. We had experienced the Lord in a vital, dynamic, personal way. And the scriptures came alive. They just opened up like a flower. Not only were we able to read, but we were able to understand what we were reading. And God began to do something in our marriage. God not only heals physical bodies, he not only heals sick souls, but he heals sick marriages. I don't think I was so startled, as I was this time in May, I guess it was, when we were in Montreal. May, we went down to Montreal, North Carolina, to a Shepherds' Conference, and I sat in a seminar with Jimmy Moore, and when he was getting the seminar started, he didn't know quite how to start it. And he said, um, in order to get this thing going a little bit, said, I'd like to ask you a question. And these are all pastors and shepherds. He said, um, how many uh, of you men here would say that you're still in love with your wife? And from where I was sitting, the place was packed. I was sitting on the floor. From where I was sitting, I couldn't see a hand, not one. And they said, well, I'd like to ask you another question. How many of you would say you got trouble in your marriage? And what I was saying, I think every hand was up. That God heals marriages. God heals broken hearts. God heals thick bodies. God heals sick souls. We say, well, how can God do that? I don't know how God does it. Does God still do that today? Yes, he still does that today. Will he do it tonight? Yes, God will do it tonight. It's easy to believe that God will heal somebody else. But if you've got problems, I believe God will heal you. Not only that, but I believe he'll do it tonight. I don't think God takes any pleasure waiting till tomorrow. He says, Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Whatever your problem is, tonight God can meet your need. If you've got marriage problems, why don't you both come?
1: There are at least
0: twenty men here tonight. Who can minister to you. I don't mean preach to you. I don't mean teach you. I mean they can minister to you. They can minister life because they minister by the Spirit of God, and he is the Spirit of life. If you've got a sick marriage, why don't you come two by two? If you've got a sick body, come, and we'll pray for you. Whatever you need. God is bigger than any of your need. And he's here tonight. He's present. The Spirit of God is here. You say, how do you know he's here? Because, brother or sister, he lives in me. He lives in Roth. He lives in Carl. He lives in Ray and Chick and all the other folks. The Spirit of God has come To fill his temple, the glory of God has come, and He's here to meet you. Why don't you come? Let God do something for you tonight—something He's never done before, something you'll never forget. God hasn't done something for me that He won't do for you. In fact, He might do more for you than for me. But he's willing and we're willing and really that's about the only combination you need if you're willing if the three of us can agree together we we'll all agree with god's word and god's word says if you're sick if you're heavy laden come to me and i'll give you peace i'll give you
1: rest Let's close with a
0: word of prayer. Whatever you need is, you come. And God has men here who know how to pray, they know how to minister in the Spirit of God. My Father and my God, we look to you, because you're our Creator. You have made all things. You've made the heavens and the earth. The stars and the moon. You have created all things, Father. And you've created us. And you've breathed into us the breath of life. Not only have you created us, but you also know how to repair us. You know how to heal us. You know how to touch our emotions. You know how to touch. Each of us to draw us closer together. And we give you praise for that. We worship you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thou art the mighty God. Thou art the mighty God. And Father, we pray that you would speak to each heart and each life here that no one would leave this place the way they came, but everyone might receive in thy hand tonight. Grant this, we pray, Father, in Jesus' name. And Father, as we leave this place and as we fellowship together here, we pray thy blessing upon each one. And we pray, Father, that you would make yourself real now to each life here. In Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Let me just stand together and come into the Lord's presence. I just ask that as we are conscious of the Holy Spirit in our, in our midst tonight, that if you feel him speaking to you, please come. The Spirit of God is here. Let him pull you, as he took our brother forward in that church service that night. Let him draw you to the foot of the cross, where there is healing and there is blessing. Happens, <coughs> happens. Just as I will be. The spirit in the brine say, come, come to him who dispenses water that you may never thirst. Come to him who heals that you might be whole. Come to him who places a yoke upon your neck that you might not strain, but might have everlasting peace. Come, for the spirit in the brine say, come, hallelujah. I believe that God is revealing himself tonight. And I know that he wishes to minister unto us. If there are some of you who feel that the need to, to leave at this time, you're certainly free to do so. But I know that there's many people here tonight who need specific healing, physical, mental, in their marriages. I know that there are some here who are hungry, for more of God within their lives. I can feel the hunger. I know that some of you are wishing for a sense of God's presence. If you have any need at all, God is ministering tonight. We're simply here to be an instrument of his use. There should be no more embarrassment about coming to God with our needs than a small child has in coming to his daddy and saying, Daddy, I, I cut my finger. I need some healing. Or, Daddy, I have a need, won't you, minister? We're together tonight loving God and seeing what he can do. We've heard what he's done in, in one man's <laughs> and in one family's life, and he can do that in every life here tonight. I can feel the heart of God crying out for his people. Won't you come? Can we just worship and sing together now as people begin to come? Amen Lord Come to you in his name. Whatever we ask shall be done. We know this is true, Father. We know it is true because He has given us the Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit. And is it the same Spirit that abides in us that raised Jesus from the dead And even as Jesus was raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit, so we know that your spirit can open all ears and eyes. Father, we bring this brother before you bring you now. We bring this brother before you now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we command these ears to be open. Be open in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Father, let your Holy Spirit walk him down to the floor from the top of his head to the bottom of his Hallelujah. That every blockage in that ear be opened. That every bone that is fused together is covered Hallelujah. That everything that in his ears be opened, Lord, that he might hear again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, we're believing you now. You have been asked. Hallelujah. we shall receive. And we ask and as we believe, Lord. In what you are doing <inaudible Minecraft> here In the same <inaudible> the Praise God. God. Thank you for giving me my ears. Just watch what you amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. i as as
2: they go to church, we, uh Mr. small, uh, yeah. a baby, a large, yeah. the giant, a small, a baby, a large, to giant. Amen. 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 to I yeah, we really mm-hmm. no, really oh, no. yes. have a okay. it. okay. okay. and, and, God. You. and God. God. you have made blood can you can you
1: believe
2: Ili- Left you. vision, really
1: thank you pray, and the train pray,
2: Lord has spoken through what it calls a word of knowledge and, um, and healing that he wants to do tonight if there's people here who have back problems if you've got a problem with your back back aches or anything else if you would come forward we'll pray for you at this time we have got a short leg you got a, a leg that's at all short, and if some of you have ever seen God's healing power, and you'd like to see what happens when, when a person with a short leg is prayed for, if you want to watch their, their leg grow, if you want to see God's power, you can see that. He's also spoken, there's, uh, that he wishes to heal hearts tonight. That's the word now. Uh, if you have heart problems, uh, maybe your heart's just, just broken, he wishes to heal that tonight too. So, if, if this is speaking to you, come and see what the Lord can do. Hallelujah. Darkest, salud, Hail, thank, Hail, thank, Recht, thank you, Lord. Praise Jesus. God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah witness
1: to you,
2: like and Yeah, hallelujah. 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 Praise hallelujah. the name the